Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. There's one God. There's one Bible. Shouldn't there be one church? That we ought to all be able to get along enough that we can get together and do something for the kingdom. We hope you find this message encouraging. Been working on a sermon for a couple of Sundays, two, three. And uh, midweek, we are going through a little series on prayer, talking about the who, what, where, when, why, about prayer and everything that the Bible says about it. So if you haven't been joining us for that, we invite you to come. We've still got a few few more Wednesday nights of that. But uh, we've been looking at making a connection. And uh, as I'm looking out across the congregation, I do appreciate all those who got the blue memo and followed through with it. We, we've got an extraordinary amount of, of blue this morning, especially as guys seem to be hitting on it pretty heavy. So, but um, making the connection. And this whole thing stems out of, I always spend time before the first of the year praying about, you know, Lord, what, what should be our focus for this year? And we are living in some times that are kind of strange to us. Uh, things are not like they've always been. And uh, times they are a-changing. And so what we've got to do is realize who we are in Christ and realize that we've got to do some changing in order to reach our world. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we say, well, I, I think I was born in the wrong time. I'd like to be back in the heyday of the church and all that kind of stuff. Well, hey, you were born when you were born. And God knew when you were going to be born. And you were born for such a time as this. You are important to the body of Christ. You are important to the kingdom of the Lord. And you've got a part to play. Ultimately, uh, we are going to have to change what we're doing. And uh, as we've talked about over the last few Sundays, by and large anymore, what used to be is not. What, 20 years ago, uh, roughly, especially in the United States, about 90% of the population would claim adherence to a church body. They might be the CEOs, the Christmas and Easter only crowd, but they were going to be there on Christmas and Easter, and if they had a wedding or a funeral, they would say, that's my church down the road or down the street, wherever it was, they would say, that's my church. Uh, that's cultural Christianity. A lot of people back in those days, church was a contact place for their business. It was where they went to make, make friends, socialize, hand out their business cards, and so it was good for them. But ultimately, what it's come down to is that people aren't living that life of cultural Christianity, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Amen? Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think the true believers, as the time approaches for the Lord's return, there's going to be a greater dividing line, okay? And social Christianity is not going to get you there, amen? It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And so what we've got to realize, people aren't coming to church anymore. People aren't going to come for the most part and hear a sermon. They're not going to hear the gospel expressed. They're not going to realize that Jesus loves them in a church setting. We've got to be the church and take the church out of here because the church is not a building. The church is the people. And so what we've got to do is realize that we are the connection. We are the connecting factor between God 
and people out there that are far from God. And uh, we, we need to strengthen our own relationship with the Lord. We need to strengthen our relationships with each other. But more than that, we need to stop punching the time clock when we walk out that front door and realize that Jesus has put us here for such a time as this. This is our mission field right out there. That's the reason months ago I bought that sign and put it up on the inside of the gate. You're now entering your mission field. When we leave here is really when we should get down to business. This, in my opinion, is, is, is several things, but one, it's a pep rally for the saints. Amen? <laughs> That's what it ought to be. We ought to come in here, get energized. I've always said this, that, that we ought to be, number one, we ought to be a, a, a lighthouse for those who have lost their way. We ought to be a filling station for those who are on their way and a hospital for those hurt along the way. There are a lot of people in this world who tried Christianity, and for whatever reason, they've, they've got lots of reasons why. Somebody did something. Somebody said something. I got hurt in church. I did this, and I did that, and, and I tried it, and it wasn't relevant. That's, that's the statement that resounds over and over again. Christianity is not relevant to my life. Hello! How could it not be relevant to your life? It is what gave you life. Amen? And we ought not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We ought to go out of here on fire for Jesus. And you know what? Somebody said it years ago. If you get on fire for Jesus, people will come and watch you burn. Amen? So the thing that we've got to do is realize, hey, people, by and large, anymore, we can have some gatherings. We can do some things. We can do some specific things Christmas and Easter and try to get people in here. But most of the time, they're not going to come back. So what do we do? Do we just throw up our hands and say, this is pointless. This, this thing's winding down pretty quick. No, Jesus said, don't be weary and well-doing through the Apostle Paul. He said, don't get weary and well-doing. Fact is, get more so as you see the time approaching. So what we ought to do is every time we go out of here, we ought to leave energized. We ought to leave this pep rally for the saints and think of somebody that we know of, somebody that we interact with, somebody we go to school with, somebody we work with, somebody that lives down our street, somebody that's in our family that needs to know Jesus and be on fire for reaching them. Do you realize if we would all do that, every one of us, if we would go out here and there's probably 120-ish, 115 this morning in here counting the kids and all, if we all went out of here and said, in 2018, I'm going to reach one person. I'm not going to go out and reach a dozen. I'm not going to go out and reach five. I'm going to go out and reach one person for the cause of Christ and do my very, very best to get them involved. Do you realize that we'd have to buy some more chairs? Amen. So... First of the year, we started praying for people. These are names of people that we work with, that we, that we live down the street from, that, that we go to school with. If you haven't, weren't here and you haven't put a name in there, you write down that name on a piece of paper and you put it in there because we're praying over that regularly. And you know what? God's going to answer that prayer. There's people's names that are in that bowl right now. Hey, there was some of our youth that were saved uh, at, at Hot Hearts. It's very possible that, that one of those names was in that bowl and God's already answered prayers. Amen? There may be some of you that have led somebody to Christ at your work or at your school or whatever it is. But it's about us reaching out there for the kingdom. 
right here, right now, this is the time, this is the place. Ultimately, things, they, they're changing. And we've got to be the connection. And my goodness, this is, I didn't even have any of this planned, so we'll get on with it. We're going to review very quickly. We're using an acrostic of connecting. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been working on, C is communicating the word of God. Somebody said it long ago, it's not my quote, but I love it, and I've said it enough that now it's, it's kind of mine. Preach the gospel always, using words only when necessary. We communicate the word of God in how we live, how we treat other people, how we conduct our business. Amen? Communicate the word of God. Oh, in that acrostic of connecting, open the doors of fellowship. We, gotta, we talked about this at great length over the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't been here, go connect on one of those sermons online and you can hear about that. But we need to be open. We need to be accepting. We need to get people in here. The progression is come and see, see and believe, believe and do and become. Amen. That's the progression of things. So we got to open the doors of fellowship. We got to get people to come and see and, and then see and believe about Jesus Christ. Number, or not number, but <laughs> the end in connecting, navigating by faith. This thing isn't easy. Amen? And sometimes we cannot see what's going on. Sometimes we look around us and we wonder, God, where are you? Or why is this happening? And I, I quoted, it was Spurgeon that, that said this, not me. And it says that God is too loving to be mean and too wise to, to not know what he's doing. So when you cannot see his hand, you must trust his heart. There are times in this walk with Christ that we cannot feel him, we cannot see him, but we know that he's always for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, it's one of my favorite scriptures, and I quote it a bunch. He says, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're plans to do you good and not evil, plans to give you a hope and a future and to bring you an expected end. Amen. God is for you, not against you. And there's a whole bunch of people out there in this world that think that God is against them. And they need to see it in us and see us walking it out that when we cannot see his hand, that we trust his heart. Amen. So you've got to navigate by faith. That brings us to the second end. We've got to network the body of Christ. The day and the time, I believe, is over whenever every church does everything. This is when one of those things, I've been in this thing for 25 plus years. And one of the things, coming into this to an adult, I guess I was, I was a little bit naive in my, in my faith. I was a little bit, um, maybe a little bit, had too much of a pipe dream. But I always thought to myself, there's one God, there's one Bible. Shouldn't there be one church? That we ought to all be able to get along enough that we can get together and do something for the kingdom. Amen. I talked about it in opening the doors of fellowship. We seem to go way out of our way to find division points. We seem to go way out of our way to find something that I can find fault with this other group over here because they don't, they don't baptize by immersion. Heavenly Father, I won't have any, any fellowship with them. Fact is, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll go way out of my way not to do, have anything to do with them. We, we go way out of our way to find dividing points. It's the one 
unanswered prayer that Jesus ever prayed. If you look at all the prayers that Jesus ever prayed, some of them still have the possibility of being answered. But the one prayer that he prayed in John 17 is, Father, I pray that my disciples would be one as you and I are one. In case you've been living under a rock, it hadn't happened. And you know, here's the thing. We've got to stand by what we believe. We've got to have some things that are immutable. Faith alone in Jesus Christ is what's going to get us to heaven. Given time and opportunity, we ought to follow Jesus in baptism. We ought to celebrate the Lord's Supper and celebrate the fact that it not only represents our past and our present, but our future because he's going to celebrate it with us. There's a few immutable things that we need to go by. Other than that, why are we straining at gnats? Amen? We seem to find so many, even people that kind of believe the way that we believe. We want to find something different. We want to find something something to, to put them down with. And one of the things that the Lord has blessed me with, because I've had this attitude ever since I came into this thing, we ought to all be able to get along. And I've had the opportunity, I've went and preached in Catholic churches and Methodist churches and you know, just about every, every branch of our family tree, I've had the opportunity to speak in. And it was because I was always open. I didn't put up barriers. I, didn't, I, I, I tried to build bridges instead of walls. I've had some really good friends that were ministers in other branches of our family tree. And my goodness, yes, we could probably find fault with that. We could find something that we could argue about and disagree about, jump up and down about even. But my goodness, why wouldn't we say, this person believes in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ. We ought to be able to find some common ground somewhere, somehow, to be able to get something done for the kingdom's sake. Amen? I, th- I personally think we'll, we'll be judged on that, especially us ministers. I, I think if we have built walls instead of bridges, I think we'll be judged on that. It might, our rewards might be, in, you know, some reward might not be there that we should have got if we'd, if we'd have built bridges. And here's the thing that I know in my heart of hearts. He prayed the prayer, would you let my disciples be one? If you work with somebody and maybe they go to a different branch of our family tree, try to find some common ground with them. Sometimes you cannot. Sometimes it just won't work. I worked with a guy that he was a minister in a branch of, of, a, of our family tree. Wasn't just like ours. And he came, he came to my shift that I was working when I worked plant work. And he said, I want us to do a Bible study together. I said, Great. Our, our last break of the night, sometimes I worked in maintenance. And if there wasn't something broke or tore up, sometimes that would be a little extended break. I said, that would be the perfect time. So we both came back there, and that lasted. I, I told him when we sat down the first night, I said, let's agree to disagree on certain things. I said, let's talk about the things that we can agree on. That lasted one whole night. And he came in with both barrels blazing and uh, I felt like the Lord kind of led me in the direction of giving him some answers. But here's the thing. Why do we do that? It's human nature. We want to be right. We want somebody else to be wrong. It makes us feel superior and them inferior. You know what? As long as we got Jesus as the right answer, 
Everything else is kind of secondary. Amen? So what we've got to do is realize that there are other people. See, when it, whenever I started in this thing, every little church, every little church had a food pantry and a clothing bank and some sort of outreach to the community and some sort of this and that and the other. And, and, and I would always think we're all duplicating everything. We're all paying electric bills. We're all paying heat bills. We're all paying cooling bills. And couldn't we, boy, this is just, this is the pipe dream part. Couldn't we all just get together and imagine what we could do for the kingdom? If we let this church over here has a real, they, they just have the biggest desire in the world to do a food pantry. Oh, my goodness. Instead of us duplicating it and say, we don't, wanna, we don't want them out doing us on the food pantry, we got to get a food pantry. We got to dedicate a space. We got to buy some food. We got to keep the bugs out of it, all that kind of stuff. Instead of doing that, if they've got a real heart for it, why don't we help them out? Wow. What an awesome idea. <laughs> what, what if somebody's got a real burden to, to clothe those that don't have good clothes? I don't know that there's anybody necessarily naked, but clothing the naked is what it falls under in the Bible. What if there's a church that really, 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 they got a, the space to do it, the heart to do it, instead of us saying, well, we got to compete with them. we got to do everything they're doing, so we're going to do that too. Why don't we help them out? If there's a church that takes out sandwiches a couple of times a month, <laughs> it has surprised me how people haven't fallen in on that. And it's because we're building walls and not bridges. We ought to be the people that are willing to extend that hand of fellowship to people, to extend an invitation. Hey, this is our heart. This is what our church does. Would you like to get in on that? Not that we're going to run roughshod over you. Not that we want to be the chief boss of everything. But hey, if, if that's your heart, that's the reason we, I am constantly looking for places to sow into. That's why we have missions. Uh, you know, God hasn't called me to be a missionary. But I know that he has some people. And that's the reason you spread the gospel where you are. You send it where you cannot go. And how do you do that? You help them out. There's a guy that, that this church has supported for years and, and previous churches that I've been involved with. He plants churches in the former Soviet Union. God hadn't called me to do that. But you know what? He's doing good stuff. So you know what? If we sow a little bit of seed, it might not be a big thing, but ultimately that seed's going to come up. And you know what? In the end time, whenever everybody's standing before that judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be people that are going to come up and say, hey, I am so glad that you helped me hear the gospel. Well, and you're going to say, well, I don't guess I know you. Well, I lived in the former Soviet Union. And you sent somebody to tell me about Jesus. Amen? You sent somebody to bring me a sandwich. Well, I didn't know it. But you know what? Jesus knows it. And it's not about who gets credit. Jesus said it this way. It's in Matthew and Luke. And he says, if you give only to those that are going to give back to you, what credit do you get for that? If you only help those that are going to help you back, what credit do you get for that? It's given sometimes without even knowing what the end result is going to be, and you're sowing. Why? Because Jesus said so. There was one time 
And God has, through the years, worked these things out for me to, to, to cross paths. Some people would say coincidence. I'd say divine appointment. I went to a conference one time, and, and I will never forget how God worked this out. This was a full conference. It was one of those by invitation only, and they knew how many people were going to come, and they only invited as many people as they had seats, but it was crowded. And so big boy here doesn't like sitting in the middle. Tom, I don't like sitting where you're sitting in a conference because I, I would always, most of the time, I'd go by myself. Angie went with me a couple of times, and, and big boy kind of overflows the seat here, okay? And so I like to stretch my legs out, so I would always get to these conferences maybe 30 minutes early so I could get on the end seat because that way I could stretch my legs out in the aisle and I could kind of lean over out into the aisle. Mark knows what I'm doing about it. He's got his, he's got his legs out there right now just like I'm talking about. And so... This is a full conference. It's been crowded every day. I get there early. I get my end aisle seat, and nobody sits next to me. So it gets to be starting time, and still nobody's sitting next to me. So I'm like, no, not that. <laughs> so it goes all the way through the first session into the first break, and I'm standing there stretching, just trying to get loosened up, stay awake through this conference that I went to. And all of a sudden, here comes this little guy in, and he, he's got his arms full of stuff, and you can tell he's just in a fizz. And so he gets set down, puts all his stuff down, and I said, trouble with your transportation or something? He said, yeah, my flight was late. I said, where'd you fly in from? He said, Taiwan. I said, awesome. Let's talk about that. What do you do there? He's a pastor. I said, well, you know, tell me about your church and everything. And he said, well, he said, the church is, you know, decent sized. It is not big by any means. But he said, in the back, we have a printing press. And he said, we print materials to send into mainland China. And he said, right now, he said, people are so hungry to read that you can get books in there as long as you're paying the shipping on them. He said, it's easy. And I said, so what are you putting in there? He said, well, Bibles but also materials about faith and how to believe and what it means to be a believer and all this kinds of stuff. And he's translating some of the books that all of us know and love is, is what I call Christian classics, some on faith and things, that he said we have to translate them. Because he said the common people, he said when the communists came in in the 50s, they changed the written language because they didn't like traditional Chinese, that they had to have a new language. So he said most of the common people still read traditional Chinese and he said I don't he said I grew up in the United States even though he was an Asian man he said my parents moved here when I was just a baby and he said I, I grew up and he said never even thought about being a missionary and he said my wife and I took a trip to China and he said God touched my heart they packed up and moved to Taiwan and he said so I can't read the original Chinese he said I can read the communist Chinese language, but I can't read the traditional. And he said, so I have to find people that can translate for it. He said, then we convert it to print, and then we print books and, and bind them and do all that, and we ship them in there. And he said, right now, he said, I can send as many books as i got money to do it. Let me have your name and address. <laughs> and I said, first of all, we got to figure out how to get money to you because I know it didn't work to just send a check from, from where I was in Kentucky to Taiwan, and it's it going to work out good. So we figured out a World Bank that we could get a hold of, and it would transfer the monies. And so 
I mean, it was like this was a divine appointment. That just happened more than once. I could tell you several stories about how God has crossed my path with people to help out. Just like that. Now, I could have said, boy, that's a good idea. We need to start converting print to traditional Chinese. And we could have made an attempt at it. And it would have went. So why not find somebody that's doing what you want to be involved in and sow into their field? It's a good field. Put some good seed in it. And guess what? God has said, if you sow good seed in a good soil, it's going to reap a harvest. There's going to be somebody... When I get to heaven one day, there's going to be somebody that never spoke a, a, a spot of English. He's going to walk up to me and say, I'm so glad you sent the gospel my way. Might say it in a different language, and I'll be able to understand it then. But hey, that's the way it's going to work. So the thing that we got to do is network. We gotta, we've got to be overt at going out here and figuring out people that are doing things that we want to be involved with. Because I'll guarantee you, you cannot outgive God. Every, every penny that we spend in missions, God is going to reward us for it. Amen. Every time somebody that speaks a foreign language that you will never see in this lifetime, never see while you're on the face of this earth, somebody's going to, going to get saved. And guess what? You're in on that. You're getting credit for that. So ultimately, we've got to go way over the top looking for opportunities to give. And then we've got to embrace biblical principles. And this is about as far as we'll get today. My wife's looking at the, she's looking at the clock. She's checking it. <laughs> Here's the thing. God's got a plan. It's called the Bible. Somebody said one time that Bible stands for, B-I-B-L-E, stands for basic instruction before leaving earth. I like that. Because <laughs> when we get to heaven, we ain't going to have much use for a Bible because we're going to know it all. We ain't going to have all them questions. I've met people that said, oh, when I get to heaven, I've got a list of questions. No, you won't. Guarantee you. Number one, we're going to spend a whole lot of time just worshiping Jesus. It's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be a worship service that won't quit after, after 35 or 40 minutes. Amen. It's going to be one that's going to go on for days and days and days. If you don't like worship and praise, I'm, I'm sorry. You're probably going to be sadly disappointed in that first little while in heaven. Amen. And it's not going to be like, you know, oh, yeah, we're just singing along. It's going to be real worship because we are going to see the fruition of our faith for all these years. We're going to see our hope realized and we are going to experience love like we have never experienced it before. But while we're here, we need some basic instruction. And it's called the Bible. And you know what? Jesus has, has a plan for this. It's called salvation. It's called discipleship, growing in Christ. It's called tithing and giving. And it's called baptism it's called all these things that sometimes we, all these little words that sometimes just almost, almost strike fear and trepidation in the hearts of people when we meet them. But ultimately, here's the thing. The method has got to change. It's not working. The way we've always done church, I talked about it at the beginning of every sermon in this series. What used to work ain't working anymore. And yes, sometimes we get really hung up on our tradition. But times they are a-changing. And we've got to change with it. The message will never change. The methods have to. Zach did that one song and was talking about, he thought Jesus would be in Nashville. And boy, just, I'm like, have you been reading my sermon notes again? 
I didn't tell him what I was preaching on. I didn't tell him anything about this. But see, here's the thing. Every, every new phase in Christianity has been ushered in by music. Do you realize, how many of you ever heard this? It's, um, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's a little, uh, little song that, uh, oh, Amazing Grace. Just a quick show of hands. Anybody ever heard that one? It's, it's fairly new in the scheme of things. <laughs> when it was first put to words was in the early 1800s, and it was put to words to a tune that was a secular song, a barroom song. Bill knew it. And a bunch of the high churches would not dare for that song to be played in their church because it was to the tune of a bar song. Amazing grace. Wow. Can you imagine? I mean, that right now is the staple. You can go anywhere in the United States and sing Amazing Grace, and everybody's going to be singing it with you. But at one point, it was new. And that stuff, we ain't going to play them new songs in here. You got to get that vernacular just right. There was a couple of songs that, that Zach did this morning that the tune behind it was, one of them was very reminiscent of an eagle song. <laughs> and I leaned over and told Angie, I said, said the words to the eagle song that kind of went with the tune and she just cracked up. She said, that's it. There was a song that Joel used to do that sounded just like a journey song when it started out. I don't know if any of y'all, <laughs> Derek's shaking his head. It's like whenever he started playing it the first time, it's like, he's going to play journey right here in church. <laughs> See, here's the thing. We can't be scared of stuff like that. And do you realize how much our world has changed in the last decade? It is 2018, and we go get in the Wayback Machine and go back to 2008. This is, you know, have you ever had one of those times in, in, in over a period of days or weeks or even months sometimes that the same thing keeps coming up in conversations, stuff you listen to, stuff you watch on television? Everything I seem to listen to anymore in the last two months has pointed in this one direction that there's a huge difference. Even if we go to the Wayback Machine of 2008, 10 years ago, all the things that have changed. How many of you had a smartphone in 2008? Show of hands. Two or three. If you had an original iPhone, which now we would call the iPhone 1, back then it was just the iPhone, and there was this new one that had just come out called the Android. It was uh, Apple, uh, the, the iPhone was about two years old, and Android was almost one. Ten years ago. Okay, in comparison to that, how many of you have a smartphone now? Oh, yeah. How many of you is smarter than you are? <laughs> how many of you do this number? What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? If you'd have done that in 2008, somebody thought this guy is off his lid. Talking to your phone, and you ain't even talking to anybody on the phone. But you know what? And I've seen some of y'all. Ronnie Walton's one. I do it too. We talk to our phones all the time. We'll be talking about something. Well, I don't know. Here, hold on a second. We'll have the answer just lickety-split. I mean, it's just quick. And you know, here's the thing. All of the things that have happened. Now we're on the, the iPhone 10, I guess. And what, Derek, you know, what, what droid? 
15? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's because I got the good stuff. <laughs> Just decent. That, that should have been directed at Chad. <laughs> I was trying to work in a Chad gig. I was trying to work in a Chad gig because we were all the time back and forth between the operating systems. But here, just a very, very quick thing. And this, I think, will blow you away. Here are a list of things that did not exist 10 years ago. The App Store, if you've got an Apple product. Google Play, not here 10 years ago. Um, Instagram, not here 10 years ago. Pinterest, Snapchat, Bitcoin that we hear so much about. Bitcoin didn't exist. Facebook and Twitter were both infants. You know how many, how many churches, this, is, this came up uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. You know how many churches were worried about their Facebook ads 10 years ago? None, because Facebook didn't do that kind of stuff. It was here, but it was, it was between people. It didn't have anything to do with business, and you couldn't run an ad on it. Hello. Uber wasn't here. Lyft wasn't here. Uh, no iPads. No Apple Watches. No Angry Birds. No candy crush. And, and this, this was just the, the little cherry up on top of this whole big cake that I've been looking at for weeks now. Last week, the last blockbuster store in Texas closed. The very last one. Do you remember how big blockbuster was 10 years ago? I mean, everybody, at least once a week, went by blockbuster. I mean, it was huge. And, and just down the, down the drain. The last blockbuster store in Texas closed the 21st of January this year. And, and I'm just telling you, it's, it's just uh, all this stuff that was not here 10 years ago. Do you realize how much our world has changed in 10 years? You think back to that whenever everybody was pulling out their phone and flipping that thing open. <laughs> and boy, you thought you were really something if you had a Motorola Racer. I mean, have you had one of those? Oh, I had one, and everybody in my whole circle of friends, thought, ooh. Y'all, I remember, I remember the first computer I ever got. It was a Pentium 75, and it came with 8 meg of RAM, and I bought up to 32, and all my guys that I worked with at Briggs and Stratton, whenever I told them I had upgraded to 32, it's like, ooh. Do you realize how much everybody would laugh if you showed them a Pentium 75? I mean, it'd be like, click. <laughs> could, could you make me a sandwich while I'm waiting? <laughs> Our world is changing. The millennial generation is coming on. And again, we've talked about it. Their whole life has been, in this last decade, their life has been influenced by all these other things that have come on in that last 10 years. I think the church has got to change how we approach it. Our message will never change. There is one way to get to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. There is one thing that we're supposed to do while we're here. That's to know him, to love him, and to make him known. That's what we're working on this year. I hope everybody that's involved with this church can, can say that vision and, and mission statement. To know him, to love him, and to make him known. And so, ultimately, it comes down to this. Our message will never change. Our methods have to. We've got to pray. 
We've got to get a hold of God. How can we reach our generation? How can we make a difference in our world? In light of all the changes that have taken place. And if you didn't know what all those things were that didn't exist 10 years ago, call some of the men of the church and we'll help you move that rock that's been on top of you because you've been living under it. All these things in here are changing and have changed our world. Can you imagine what the next 10 years are going to bring? Chad and I were talking about this thing. I was, I was sharing with him some of the things on the list. My grandfather, who I spent a lot of time with, he was born in 1907. And when he was born, realistically, things had not changed as far as lifestyle for the previous 150 years. There were a few things. He said to his grandfather, whenever he was a kid, his grandfather fooled with cattle and had a little bit of money, had a telephone. One of the few people in that area that had a telephone. And you think about how then for the next few years things didn't change that much. Automobiles, that's a big thing. But ultimately, my grandfather lived long enough to see him go to the moon and launch a space shuttle. Then you think about my life. I was born in 1966. And we've gone, <laughs> we'll just tell on ourselves really, really quick here. Black and white television. And the young people are saying, black and white what? <laughs> that was it. I remember when we got our first color television, it was a big day in the Reed household. If we could actually see it like it was. Let me call Grandma. I was, I was telling my kids about that not too long ago, and they said, what? I said, yeah, you had to dial it. You know, you'd start out with your number, and you, most of them were the low numbers to begin with, so you'd have to dial it all the way across. And then, dial the And now, my goodness, people don't even have home phones. How many of you, just a quick survey for my own benefit, how many of you still have a home phone? Maybe 10. Runs the security system. There you go. <laughs> that's why you got... Okay, how many of you have one that's not tied to your security system? Five, maybe. Do you see how times are changing? Piper, when I was talking to Chad about it, she said, I can't imagine my mom sending me out. So, Yvonne, you're in this illustration, even though you didn't know you were coming. She said, I can't imagine my mom sending me out to go out on the town or out on a date and not knowing where I was. She said, I, she's got GPS on her kids' phones. I know about that. Some of the rest of you do, too. Can you imagine? In our lifetime, how much has changed. And in the last decade, all this stuff. The next decade... It's going to make a difference. we got to be a part of it. we got to be ready to let our methods drop to the side. All that stuff that we hold near and dear traditions that don't matter and don't mean a thing, we got to let them drop. we got to get a hold of people for Jesus. That's what this all comes down to.